we only went through two, two verses last Sunday. At that rate, we're going to be another year finishing the book of Nehemiah, but hopefully we'll go a little faster here. But uh, it was interesting that when God began to do a work in the heart of the people, that Ezra tells the people, uh, don't weep. You know, they were weeping because of the conviction. By the way, I think that is a natural result oftentimes of conviction of the Holy Spirit, that our hearts are pricked, that there are tears that are shed, or at least the uh, brokenness and the contriteness of our spirits that are felt. And, uh, and so Ezra gets up to him. He says, well, don't, don't be sorrowful about this. Be glad, because God has done something in your hearts. There's some things that, uh, Nehemiah, or that Ezra pointed out and said, these are things that are a blessing to us now that we can look forward to. You can go your way knowing that God is directing your steps. You can uh, eat the meat and know that God uh, has provided for you. Uh, and he, he continues to tell them things they can rejoice over. And that brings us to uh, verse number 11. And uh, the Bible says, So the Levites stilled all the people, saying, Hold your peace, for the day is holy, neither be ye grieved. And by the way, when it comes to the Lord's Day, I think it ought to be a day of rejoicing. Uh, you know, I remember growing up in a pastor's home, and as a young person, uh, didn't always have the thrill of going to church on Sunday. All my friends were going out and doing things that I looked at, and I said, Boy, that looks like a lot of fun. And they don't have to go to church, and I kept looking at church as something I had to do as a parent, as a, uh, uh, a child of my mom and dad, and my dad being a pastor. And I remember as a young kid thinking, uh, and I was one of those guys that had a lot of energy bound up in me, and I just couldn't wait till church was over and uh, could get those dress clothes off and put my play clothes on. And uh, then mom and dad, they were cruel and unusual on Sundays. They made us kids take naps in the afternoon, and I think I faked about every nap there ever was until mom and dad drifted off to sleep, and then I'd get up and play in my room for a while. And, uh, but I remember those days of tolerating church. But can I tell you this, as God has allowed me to grow in my Christian life, the, the, the days that we get the opportunity to come around, and, and whether I was preaching in the pulpit or sitting in the pews listening to preaching, uh, the days that we got to meet around God's Word and to be around God's people, to sing those songs that just thrill our hearts, became such some, something I looked so much forward to during the week, uh, something I was rejoicing in. And uh, the day of the Lord, I think, is something that ought to be rejoiced in and something we ought to look forward to. I was talking to a friend of mine just recently, and they said, you know, uh, I feel so good when I leave on Sunday. And uh, I said, uh, I just, about the middle of the week, I just get so down. And I said, you know, we have a Wednesday night service, too. <laughs> and they were like, really? And... Uh, because there, there is. There's a joy, isn't there, in being around God's people, around God's Word. And so the Levites said uh, for them not to be grieved because the day is holy. It was the Lord's day. And uh, verse number 12, And all the people went their way to, to eat and drink and to send portions and to make mirth because they had understood the words that were declared unto them. And that last phrase, I think, is a very, very important phrase. That they... Um, they were rejoicing. The Bible says here uh, that in the first part of verse number 12, that the people went their way uh, to eat and to drink, which were the things that uh, Ezra had told them to do, to rejoice in, and to send portions to those that had not made preparations, uh, to be generous, to be giving. And those were the things we found out last week were the things they were supposed to do. But notice this, it says, and make great mirth. Now, what was the mirth the result of? The verse tells us here that, 
the mirth came, it says this, because they understood the words that were declared unto them. I've heard people say, well, church is dry, or reading the Bible is dry. I just don't get a lot out of it. The joy doesn't come going through the motions of doing the things God wants us to do, such as reading the Bible. The joy comes when there is an inner understanding of these things. When we read Scripture, and it, it's alive to us, it, it makes sense to us, our minds are, are, are moved by it, our hearts are stirred by it, that's where the joy comes from. Um, I don't know if you ever get this way. I, I, the older I get, the worse I get about it. But when I'm reading, I, I love to read, but when I read, uh, there are times that my mind will wander. You ever been that way? And you're still reading. Have you ever done that? And you're, you're still going down line by line by line, and you'll get to the end of a paragraph, and you'll think, what did I just read? My mind was somewhere else. Uh, can I tell you this? When we read Scripture, we've got to, we've got to guard against those things, because they'll happen. And that's not where our Christian joy comes from. Our Christian joy does not come from saying, okay, I'm going to read all of Psalm 119 today, and I'm going to get through it, uh, come, uh, you know, no matter what, come what may, I'm going to make it through uh, Psalm 119 today. And so we sit down and we read. In about verse number 7 or 8, our mind starts to wander. But we plow through and we get to the end of Psalm 119 and probably two-thirds of it, our mind was somewhere else and we kept trying to come back and focus on it. Can I tell you this? We may have achieved our goal in reading Scripture, but there was no joy because we didn't stop and have the understanding. And so I've tried to encourage people that when we read Scripture, it's not about how much of it we read. It's about how much of it we understand, how much of it we're, we're uh, getting a hold of and allowing to work in our hearts and our minds. And that's where the joy comes from. That's where the Christian life gets exciting. Uh, we don't come to church so we go through the motions of doing some spiritual exercise. We come to church because we want to get understanding. We want our hearts to be stirred. Um, we want the songs to be a blessing to us. We want the fellowship of God's people to be a blessing. We want the truth of God's Word to instruct and guide us. But that's, that's requiring understanding on our part. And so these people, the Bible says, had mirth, had great mirth, because of their understanding of these things. And uh, we said last week, as we got into verse number 9, and, uh, and the verses just before that, that Ezra and the uh, leaders, the religious leaders of the day that were standing up there with them, were reading the law and giving the sense of it. They were, they were helping people to understand it uh, and to talk about it. That's why I love when God's people get together and we start talking about the things of the Lord. Uh, you ever done that with somebody, just the conversation naturally gravitates that way? And you start talking with them? And the next thing you know, you're learning something new from them about God's Word. Maybe the light bulb turns on. Uh, I was talking to somebody just a week ago, a week ago today. And uh, they, uh, they, said, they made the statement and said, boy, it just clicked. It just clicked. And there was a big smile on his face. I thought, boy, what a blessing, you know, when, uh, when the understanding happens and the, the joy is full, that new truth that just became apparent to us from God's Word. This is what these people were experiencing. And it, and it was causing, the Bible says here, for them to have great mirth because they understood the words that were declared unto them. And uh, so I want, us to, I want us to kind of keep this principle in mind, if we will, that when we, we come to God's Word, that we make the effort not to just read it, but to understand it. To take our time. To, I heard one preacher say it this way years ago. I, I love the phrase. 
He says, squeeze all the juice out of it. Sit there and, and get all you can out of it. Don't rush through the reading. I'd rather somebody read one or two verses and get a lot out of it than to read an entire chapter and get nothing. It makes a big difference when we have the understanding. It brings great joy to our hearts. We're going to verse number 13. The Bible says, And on the second day, if you have a pen and you underline things, I love this. Uh, you might want to underline that phrase, on the second day. They had such a joy in what happened on the first day, they all came back again. They came back again on the second day. Isn't that amazing? And uh, I've heard people say, I've had, we've had uh, special meetings sometimes planned in the church, maybe on a Wednesday through Sunday, every night at 7 o'clock or whatever the meeting time was. And I've heard people say, Pastor, I'll be there as long as I don't have something else more pressing. Or as long as I don't have something else to do. Uh, can I tell you this? When God's doing the work and He's stirring our hearts, we want to be there. We don't want to miss it. Uh, I love the story of Thomas. I, I learned so much from Thomas. And I know we call him Doubting Thomas, and he certainly had his character flaws. But I learned so much through the life of Thomas. If you remember... Uh, when the Lord first appeared the first time to His disciples. Thomas wasn't there. And uh, they told Thomas. Uh, they said, uh, we just met him, we saw him, we touched him, we handled him. He said, oh no, you couldn't have done that, he's dead. And we, to this day, we call him Doubting Thomas. And probably, probably we were a little, little coarse on him about that. Because the truth is, from that point on, Thomas was one of the most faithful of the disciples. In fact, you will not find a time ever after that first time that, that Christ shows up and meets with His disciples that Thomas isn't there. He, he, I, I don't care what else he did. He, he said, I'm sure in his mind, he thought, I missed it once, I'll never miss it again. I want to be where the presence of the Lord is. And his desire, and he ended up dying a martyr's death for the cause of Christ. And we give, we give Thomas a, hard, a harder way to go because of his initial doubting. But can I tell you this, it strengthened Thomas into a fellow who loved God with all of his heart, and his character developed so strongly after that, that I actually admire him as one of the great men of Scripture. Because he died a martyr's death. Because he realized that when God's presence is there, there's something very real about it. And these people were in the presence of God doing something in their midst. God was stirring their hearts. And Ezra gets up the second day, and guess what? They all come back again. I mean, they've spent a long day. We remember reading, don't we? That they stood there from the early morning hours until the midday and then later on into the afternoon. I mean, these people are standing in the hot sun listening to the law of Moses being read and the sense being given. I'm sure they're tired. I'm sure they're wearied. I'm sure they say, well, I've had my fill of church today. I've had people say, well, Pastor, I don't think we need more than just one service a week. Uh, that's plenty of church for anybody. It, it, it may be, but can I tell you this? When, when our hearts love the Lord the way that they ought to, I just want to be wherever His presence is. I want to be wherever He's doing something. I want to be involved in it. If God's doing something, I, I want to show up. I want to be there for it. And uh, these people come back the second day. And I know that seems like such a minor thing as we read this passage, but it's such a major thing in the attitude of these people. We get a little glimpse of their heart in this thing. It says, on the second day, uh, and on the second day were gathered together the chief of the fathers of all the people, the priests and the Levites, unto Ezra the scribe, even to understand the words of the law. 
And they found written, now notice this, this is a key phrase, verse 14, and they found written in the law which the Lord had commanded by Moses. Now keep that phrase in mind. They had found written in the law which the Lord had commanded by Moses. Now here's what they found written in it. That the children of Israel should dwell in booths in the feast of the seventh month, and that they should publish and proclaim it in all the cities and in Jerusalem, saying, Go forth unto the mountain, fetch olive branches and pine branches, and myrtle branches and palm branches, and branches of thick trees to make booths as it is written. And here's the, the important phrase that runs in tandem with the important phrase of verse 14. So the people went forth and brought them and made themselves booths. Look at verse the, the important phrase of verse 14. And they found written in the law which the Lord had commanded by Moses. And now let's skip down to verse 16. So the people went forth and brought them and made them booth, themselves booths. Can I tell you this? When God begins to draw our hearts closer to Him, we have a desire to obey His Word. Key phrases here. They found it written, and so they went. Wouldn't it be wonderful if it could be said of you and I, we found it written, and so we went. We found it written, and so we went. I was talking to somebody just yesterday. I don't think there's very many that sit here week after week that would say, I don't have a desire to follow after the things of the Lord. I think most all of us would say we have that desire. Somewhere inside, the truth is the great battle of the Christian life is the battle between being a hearer and being a doer. You ever notice that? It really boils down to that. The simplicity of the Christian life is in one decision. Am I going to be a hearer only, or am I going to be a doer? And the struggle that you and I face and the battle that we wrangle our will into subjection with every day is, am I just going to hear God's Word, or am I going to do God's Word? The psalmist put it this way, Oh, that my ways were thy ways. He said, I've got my will, and God has His will. And I want my will to be His will. I want to bring it under subjection and say, Lord, I want what You want, not what I want. Can I tell you, that is the great battle of the Christian life. If every Christian could understand this truth and guard against it, the victorious Christian life could be lived with ease. And to be real frank with you, I'd be about out of a job as a pastor because really we would be able to take the Bible and read it, and then do it. This is one of the great, great battles we have to face. And can I tell you, it's the great battle of every one of our wills. Every morning we must wake up, and every morning we must make this determined decision. Am I going to just hear God's Word, or am I going to do it? They found it written, verse number 14. And the Bible says in verse number 16, So the people went forth. They obeyed what the Word of God said. They didn't form a committee to discuss what they thought it meant. They didn't decide whether they want to do this particular principle of Scripture or not. They didn't pick and choose. They found it written, and so they went. And that needs to be the mindset of every Christian. I I believe that the mark of maturity in a Christian's life is when we can get to a place where we say, Lord... It matters not what your Word says. 
It matters only whether I obey it or not. My, my, my heart needs to be, Lord, I will follow, no matter the cost, what Your will is. I love in the Old Testament how many times Christ comes and audibly speaks to people. He cried out to Abraham at one point. He called out to Jacob at one point. He called out to uh, 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 Samuel at one point in his life. And when he calls out to these men, their answer almost in every instance is, Here am I. I thought, well, what a, what a way to answer the call of God. Lord, here am I. When, when God called Abraham, he's getting ready to tell Abraham to go. And when Abraham said where, he said, don't you worry about it, just go and I'll show you. And talk about some faith. Go ahead and sell your house. Pack up your family. Tell your wife, we're going. Where are we going? I don't know. God hasn't told me yet, but we're going. Talk about some faith. Abraham goes because God said, Abraham, and he said, here am I. You know what he was saying? He was saying, Lord, it doesn't matter what you tell me. My answer is already yes. And can I tell you, that ought to be the desire of our hearts. Every time we come to the preaching of God's Word, every time we come to the reading of God's Word in our own personal time with Him, we ought always come with the Spirit of, Lord, whatever it is that You show me through Your Word, my answer is already yes. My will is already yielded to obey what You've shown me through Your Word. I love the heart of these people. God's doing a great work. And He's not through with them yet. Some of the more exciting things that God's going to do we'll find in the chapters yet to come. And, uh, but I want to encourage us in these things that we have that kind of spirit. If we don't, then I think we ought to pray, Lord, give me that kind of spirit. Help me to be this way. I don't want to be just a hearer. I want to be a doer. I want to make sure that I'm obeying and yielded to what Your Word says. And I hope that will be helpful to us today. Let's pray together we dismiss. Father, we're so thankful for Your Word. We pray that You'll bless it and use it. Lord, may we learn these lessons, these valuable, valuable lessons that are so vividly illustrated. We thank You for recording these events in Scripture that we could have an example to follow. Lord, may we then take the truth that we've learned and not just be hearers, but to do it. Help guide and direct our steps daily. Bless the service to come. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.